when I was a child, about once a year, I would gather my parents in, in the room together, and I would say to my dad and my mom, do you forgive me for everything I have ever done wrong to you? And they always answered with grace and reassured me of their love and, and their forgiveness. And the result was I felt clean and at peace again. Wouldn't it be great to have that clean feeling of being at peace with God? To feel forgiven for everything you've ever done. And you can have that same assurance that, that I sought when I felt guilty. And that's what causes us to, to ask the, the question today as we approach Decision Day next Sunday. What do I need to do to respond to God's gift of salvation? This week on Instagram, I, I saw this next slide and it said, we cannot force someone to hear a message they are not ready to receive, but we must never underestimate the power of planting a seed. Now, everyone is at a, a different place in their journey of responding to God's gift of salvation. And the value of Decision Day is that it plants seeds. It begins conversations. It gets the dialogue going that is eternally essential for each of us to consider. The, the Bible talks about baptism as being a, a washing, a, a cleansing, a, a participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Christ. It's a portrayal. It's all those things. It, it's a picture. It, it's a visual statement that helps the, the viewer understand the sacrifice. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21 states, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, that's what saves us. This participation in Christ's sacrifice offered on our behalf. And when baptism is preceded by faith, repentance, and confession, it connects us with the grace made possible when Jesus died on our behalf on the cross. That is historically how people joined the original church in the New Testament. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that, that we too may live a new life. Baptism by immersion is, is not only a, a participation in his death and sacrifice, it is a stepping across the line. When the church began on the day of Pentecost in, in Acts 2, the people interrupted 
the Apostle Peter's message by pleading, what shall we do? And he was telling them that they had killed God's son and he was convicting them of their role, their culpability in, in, in Jesus dying. And they couldn't wait till the end of the message. They couldn't wait for the invitation song. They said, time out. What, what do we do? How do we make this right? How do we fix this? What, what can we do to change? And the response to be forgiven that was outlined in that next verse remains our response today, 2,000 years later. It's verse 38 from Acts 2. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This isn't just a good idea for some or for many or for most. He said, everybody needs to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, and what happens? It's for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then dropping down to verse 41, we, we see the result. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. When you agree that I, I've sinned, I'm away from the Lord, I want to be right with the Lord... I need his sacrifice. I need his forgiveness. When we accept that message, the way we embrace it is they were willing to repent and be baptized. And it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church began with an explosion. 3,000 people on, on day one that said, I'm in. I, I, I'm buying what you're selling. That, that's what I need. That's what I've been missing. That's what I need to make as my response. The Bible's clear that baptism is done for the forgiveness or removal of our sins. It serves as a washing. Jerry Clowers is a southern comedian, and he came from a very large family. And He joked about the time when one of his younger brothers fell into a 55-gallon drum of tar and grime. The little guy was just coated in, in black and soot, and the boy called for help. Their mother came over, saw the, the, the mess. Her young son begged, Mama, Mama, get me out of here. Clean me up. The mother, who already had 14 kids, paused for a moment, assessing the difficulty of that task. And she said, son, I think it'd just be easier to have another child. <laughs> well, our failures in life have left us all pretty grimy, pretty soiled, pretty stained by sin. And baptism is God's washing. It's his cleansing of the soul. And at the same time, he's adding us as another child into his family. Remember, baptism is not the removal of dirt from the flesh. It's more than that. It's the appeal of a clear conscience before God. It's saying, Lord, I, I want to be right with you. I, I want to be forgiven. I, I want to do better. I, I want to change. I, I want to do over. We can all identify with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. When he said, the things that I don't want to do, 
Those are the things I keep doing. And the things I know I should do, those are the things that I leave undone. And that's what baptism is. It's this grafting into God's family. And next week we'll, we'll study what is our response after becoming a, a member of the body. We see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. This one baptism originally was this washing, this dipping, this plunging underwater and immersion, which served as this visual of the cleansing that was taking place internally when a sinner cries out in repentance and seeks God's grace. At this point, this obedient action or response, grace is applied to us. We're washed clean. We are given forgiveness. We start anew. The Bible says we're born again. So the question always comes up, what about those who believe in Christ but haven't been immersed? What does the Bible say about that? And the Bible is silent on that subject, and here's why. For the first 800 years of church history, anyone who became a Christian was immediately immersed. And then gradually, sprinkling was introduced as an alternative, and, and over time, sprinkling grew in popularity because of its convenience. But it was a departure from the direct command of, of God, and it abandoned the symbolism behind the original directive. Our approach here at, at BCC is based on the conviction that we don't have the prerogative or the authority to alter a direct command of God. And that's why we challenge people to be baptized the way it was done in the Bible, by immersion. In order to be a member of our church, we require the same obedient response that the early Christians exacted. Nothing more and nothing less. Well, Jeff, are you saying that if someone isn't immersed, he or she is lost? And I'm not saying that, and I would never presume to speak for God on the matter of another person's salvation. I am saying that the Bible is clear on this subject and that man has muddied the waters with confusion. God will decide those matters, and he has clearly stated, if, if we believe and are baptized, we shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. He knows what a person understood or didn't understand. He knows the opportunities that people have had. It is totally his call. As I often joke, I'm in middle management. I don't know anything that's above my pay grade. God will make that that decision, that determination, and he has perfect knowledge, and, and I trust him. And, and while I would never assert you are lost because you haven't been immersed, likewise, I could never in good conscience recommend to anyone 
hey, don't worry about being immersed. It, it's probably not that big a deal. It, it probably doesn't matter to God. I, I could never presume to say that. And, and what I read in the Bible suggests just the opposite. It is very important to God. Just listen to what the, the Bible clearly tells us happens when we are immersed. I mentioned Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. Again, it's obviously immersion. You were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Galatians 3, 27. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, this participation with his sacrifice, his death, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. That, that terminology in the original language suggests climbing into a, a warm sweater and, and just being surrounded and, and encompassed, um, enveloped by Christ at baptism. We have been clothed with him. We're wearing a sweater now. He, he's all around us all the time. Now, I want to move beyond some of those true details that are important to understand intellectually, and I, I want us to look at emotionally what should prompt us to respond and seek forgiveness. This is a decision that, that speaks to your head and to your heart. So why should we be baptized? Really, it's, it's very simple. Let me give you three reasons why you should commit your life fully to Christ and be baptized. Reason number one, Jesus was immersed, setting an example for us. Our leader led the way in this command, and we should follow his example. But we read of it in Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Galilee's up in the, the northern region of Palestine. Jesus traveled from way up north to the far south to the Jordan River in order to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and, and why do you come to me? I mean, that, this is backwards. You're God's son. You've never committed a sin. I'm just a, a human. I, I, I'm just one of your spokesmen. I need to be baptized by you. you. You don't need to be baptized by me. And Jesus said in verse 15, let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Jesus says, this is the right thing to do. I, I'm setting an example. This is a precedent. And so please in, indulge me in this. And this is why I want you to, to, to baptize. A, a good leader will never ask you to, to do something that he or she isn't willing to do. The leader isn't the exception. The leader is the example. 
and Jesus said, I'm going to ask people to submit to this command, and I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to set an example. But, but you don't need to. You're, no, I don't. But I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do, and I'm, I'm going to set this precedent that will be followed. John the baptizer was saying, whoa, you should be baptizing me. And I understand his objection. He, he was sinful. Jesus was not. But although sinless, Jesus did so to fulfill all righteousness. Verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Again, there, there's no confusion here. This, this wasn't sprinkling or pouring. He, he went to where there was a lot of water at a river, and he waded out in the river, and he, he came up out of the river. And so it says at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Because of his example, because of precedent, it pleased his father. And it pleases our father when we follow that example. So, so why does this matter? We don't want to maximize this teaching. We don't want to minimize this teaching. We just want to recognize it and give it its proper emphasis in, in Scripture. So was immersion a, a big deal to Jesus? Well, Jesus walked 90 miles in extreme heat from Galilee to Jordan in an area there around the Jordan where the temperatures sometimes reach 120 degrees. He did it in order to set an example for us on being immersed even though he had no sins to wash away. So he must have thought it was a big deal. He, he modeled it. He expects his followers to follow that example. So reason number one, why should I be baptized? First, because Jesus set the example. Reason number two that tugs at the heart is that Jesus commanded us to be baptized. It, it wasn't an option. It, it was a command. It was a mandate. The, the final instructions before Jesus gave uh, his return to heaven, the final instructions that Jesus gave his followers before he ascended and, and returned to heaven are found there in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I heard the account of a, a woman who was nervous about taking her first boat ride, and it was to be on Lake Michigan, and it happened to be on a stormy night, and she was growing more frightened as she watched the, the lightning illumine the sky and revealing the, the rocks that were jutting out of the, the windswept lake. And she approached the captain and demanded, do you know where all the rocks are in this lake? 
And he responded with wisdom, no, ma'am, I don't, but I do know the safe course. And I don't know how much latitude will be allowed or, or how far one can drift from adherence to a command of Christ without penalty or consequence, but I do know the safe course. And it just makes sense to, to follow it as closely as possible. The real question is, why wouldn't I want to be baptized if Christ has commanded me to do so? So our, our response really must focus on submission, surrender, sold-out obedience. Baptism is not humiliating, but it is humbling. As we entrust ourselves, we we place ourselves in someone else's hands, it's really a, a microcosm of this larger surrender to the Lord that is taking place as we're putting our lives in his hands. And I, I, I'd have to stop and do some calculating, but I, I believe I've baptized over a thousand people in my, my lifetime. The good news is I've never lost anyone yet. I, I've never dropped anyone, no casualties, nothing like that. I, I baptized a, a woman who was nine months pregnant. She went into labor that night, had her baby, but everything was good. It's all healthy. I, I did have one close call I want to tell you about. Uh, I was in my early 20s. I was the, the youth minister at, at Georgetown, Ohio and had been studying the Bible with uh, uh, another young man about my age, Ronnie. And he and his wife, Barb, would get together with Johnny and I, and we would uh, eat and visit and study the Bible and try to lead him to making a commitment of his life. And one night about 11.40, my phone rang, and I know exactly when it was because Johnny Carson had just finished his monologue. And it was Ronnie on the other end of the phone. And Ronnie said, hey, I, I'm ready to be baptized. I want to become a Christian. Can you meet me at the church right now? I said, absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there. And the Bible says that uh, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that, that comes home. I, I may not have looked like an angel that night, but I, I was rejoicing and so we met Ronnie and Barb at the, at the church building about midnight, and uh, he got changed, and I, I, I got changed, and uh, as we went out to the baptistry, we discovered a problem. What's typically waist-deep water was uh, about knee-deep, about two feet of, of water. There had been some le leaking, and, and so, but I didn't want to miss this moment or waste this opportunity or I didn't want him to get off the hook so I said hey uh, we'll just kneel down and I'll, I'll baptize you you know right here in this shallow water and so Ronnie and I both knelt down and there was this little slimy algae film on the on the bottom making things very slick and, and slippery and so 
As I, I went to baptize Ronnie, we both were scrambling. It looked kind of like some sumo wrestling or, or something going on. I, I did get him all the way underneath the water and bring him back up, but it was not graceful. It was uh, not a very ceremonious uh, baptism, but um, I, I am happy to say that uh, Ronnie's commitment took and his, his baptism was legit. And uh, at that time, Tim Conway was a popular comedian, and he, he had a satire video that was out about golfing. It was called Dwarf on Golf, and a few of you may remember that. In, in this video, he would kneel down, making himself look much shorter than he was, and had these shoes that his knees were resting in, so he looked like he was about four foot tall, as he spoke with a funny voice and, and gave these uh, satirical, senseless golfing tips, lampooning the, the how-to video craze of that moment. And as Ronnie and I knelt in that water and were scrambling around, all I could think of was, we could be making a video, Dorf on Baptism, <laughs> right now is kind of what that felt like. Well... Ronnie made a sincere commitment to the Lord that has stuck for 40 years, and I can assure you today that he is worshiping at Georgetown Christian Church in Georgetown, Ohio. And a few months after Ronnie gave his life to Christ, he had been talking to his grandfather, and he led his grandfather to the Lord. And we stood on either side of his 84-year-old grandfather and, and together baptized his grandfather in obedience to the Lord. Uh, part of that was because he, he was a, an older gentleman and we wanted to be sure everything was stable. And I'm pretty sure part of that was based on the previous baptism <laughs> from Ronnie that he opted for a tag team immersion for his grandfather. Uh, so why should I be baptized? Jesus set the example. Secondly, because Jesus commanded us to be baptized. And then finally, reason number three, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It really comes down to a matter of love for him. That's the ultimate motivator that should compel us to follow his example and, and move on, on this command. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And so our challenge for today is to believers who love the Lord and are trying to honor him and live for him, who want, with the Holy Spirit's help, to bring their lives into conformity with Christ's example. We're challenging you to make a decision for him and become a Christ follower. That's it. Plain and simple. Very straightforward. You may wonder, well, I'm not sure if I really know enough or if I'm informed enough about this. 
I appreciate wanting to make a decision that you will live by and that, that you will honor. I also want to remind you that on the day of Pentecost, when the church began, those first believers heard only one sermon, and they didn't wait for an invitation, but interrupted the speakers and said, what, what's next? What do we need to do? And then they quickly came to believe that day that they needed to respond to the truth, and, and that's what it comes down to. So whether you do that in a private setting, late at night at the church building, or on a weeknight or on a Saturday, or whether you do it at the close of a worship service in front of a lot of other people, it, it, it doesn't make any difference to God. The important thing is that you, you do it. And so you have a decision to make. Decision day isn't about holding everyone up for one day. It's, it's about this month of conversations, this study, this question and answer that helps people determine, I think it's time. I'm ready. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me before we sing our, our song of decision. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be at work in each person's heart, guiding the, the right response uh, for where they're at at, the, at this time. Lord, we pray for the seeds that are being planted, the seeds that are sprouting, the, the seeds that are germinating, uh, the, the seeds that have come to full fruit and are ready to be harvested. Lord, uh, we, we pray that we would understand the, the solemn nature of eternal things. Uh, we live our lives in the moment so much, and sometimes we fail to look ahead and into eternity. So today, help us to pause and, and number our days that they are right with you so that we can spend eternity with you. We pray in, in the name of the one who set the example for us, Jesus. Amen.